Well, good morning, church. It is a full house, and it is so good to see all of your faces. My name is Helen Kim Nowak, and I'm pastor of Community Life here at New Life Fellowship. And for those of you who have signed up for and volunteered this past year, I'm looking forward to seeing you after this service at our party to celebrate all of you. So we have been in a series called God in Our Bodies. And last week, we heard a powerful, challenging, inspiring message from Pastor Rich and Rosie on marriage. And he pointed out, they pointed out together how marriage is a picture of something greater. That marriage is a place where a husband and wife learn a covenant kind of love, a sacrificial, costly kind of love that is meant to reflect Jesus' love for us, the church. And so that's a place where they can work it out and try to work towards it. But in that, as they work towards it, it becomes more than that. It is meant to be a picture, as we see a couple working towards that, of a greater love. The love that Jesus has for his bride, the church. Well, today, we're going to look at singleness. What about singleness? Is there any place in the kingdom of God for singleness, for singles? And is there perhaps something that singleness points to that is far greater? Is there anything like that? And I believe there is. I believe that marriage and singleness are two windows pointing to something that God calls us to that is far greater, and we need both. They're complementary windows. And so what might that be? Just to give a little context, I am pretty newly married. I got married when I was 41. So most of my life was as a single. And I thought for a long time that I would probably be single. So I looked for literature, you know, look for teachings and literature on singleness. And there was very little. There's so much on marriage and having a family. Uh, a lot of illustrations and sermons are about marriage. But often the books that I found is a lot better today. But if you've been single when I was single, uh, I think you know that a lot of the books were a lot about how to get out of singleness. There was very little about how to live into singleness. It was like how to prepare, get ready for the day when you're going to exit this season called singleness. So it wasn't really about singleness. But singleness is so complex. And so I want to lay the foundation today before we bring up, as you can see, this is not just for Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and me. <laughs> but there are going to be people filling these chairs. And we're going to hear from some singles and have an awesome conversation together. But before we get there, I wanted to set a foundation that singleness is complex. There's no such thing as a single that is like another single, that there's just not one category. Just like a marriage, no marriage looks quite like another. Because it has two very different people in it, it always looks different. And no single is like another. There's no single experience that is quite like another. We can think of singles who are there because they are longing for marriage, but they just have not found a person, or they're unable to fulfill that longing. So they're circumstantially single. There are people who are single again because of divorce, because of death, or some other circumstance, and so now they're back in a season of singleness. And there's those who have chosen a life of singleness. And the, the passage today, if we actually add something more to all of that, that's already complex. But if we add age, ethnicity, 
life experiences. Into all of that, singleness is very complex. So when we look at any single, I just want us to know that there is this myriad, a mosaic that is so rich. Today we're going to look at a passage where Jesus, a couple of passages where Jesus addresses singleness. And we'll start with Matthew 19, verses 7 through 12. And in this context, the Pharisees are trying to get, you know, Jesus to address a controversy because they're trying to catch him in something. So they bring up a controversy surrounding marriage and divorce. And in it, they say, the Pharisees, why then, they ask, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciple said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. In his answer, Jesus calls forth how serious the level of commitment to marriage is. And so the Pharisees are like, maybe marriage is not, you know, we shouldn't bother to get married. Maybe singleness is better. And Jesus' answer to them affirms that there is a place for singleness in the kingdom of God. He talks about eunuchs at a time when, and single people, essentially, at a time when marriage was the norm and very much elevated. And anyone who was singled was looked at a little bit oddly as if there was something ungodly, abnormal about them. And Jesus, in his 30s, was single. He went to the cross as a single. So he is naming in a society that's unfriendly to singles that there is a place for singles. And he himself lived as one. Jesus was a sexual human being, just like you and me. He had desires and longings and temptations, a desire for intimacy. And he did all of that, experienced all of that as a single. And when we look at his answer, he talks about these eunuchs and he mentions three categories. The first is that people who are born that way, they are missing their genitalia when they're born, and so they have no sexual desire. The second are people made that way through acts of violence done to their bodies, often because they were meant to serve in a certain office. And then there are those who are choosing that way because of the kingdom of God. And that's where I want to sit with. Jesus confirms, first of all, that all singleness is not by choice. So there's not, sometimes in the church, we may experience that the higher level of singleness is those who have chosen it for the rest of their lives and everyone else is like, we're not sure what to do with them. They're just in this in-between state of they're not married, they're not the holy chosen who are gonna give their lives fully to celibacy and singleness, and what do we do with these people? But Jesus is talking about all forms of singleness, and so in this, when he talks about the kingdom of God, is it just for those holy? I think not, because when we look at Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing all the crowd. It's all people. Men and women are there. And he says, seek first 
the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, not just to singles who maybe may respond, but anyone who chooses Christ is called to a life that is for the kingdom of God. And so when he says there are eunuchs, single people who choose to live for the single kingdom of God, that can be any Christian who chooses to do so, to live for Jesus. So there is something about singleness that is present and available in the kingdom of God that is affirmed. There's another passage that Jesus looks at that is interesting to see. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, Jesus is replying to some Sadducees who are now also trying to catch Jesus. The Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. And so they come up with this crazy scenario to try to point to the ridiculousness of how resurrection wouldn't work. And so they create a scenario of a wife whose husband dies. She had no children, so by the law and the way customs were, she would marry the brother. And she does this seven times, and each time she has no children, so, and then they die, so they go to the next brother. Seven marriages. So they say when she dies and goes to heaven, if there's a resurrection, whose wife will she be? You know? And so they're trying to create a comic thing, and Jesus says this answer. He replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And in this passage, Jesus reveals something about where we're headed. And it is a place where there will be no weddings other than the church and Jesus. We are all headed for singleness. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so th this is something really profound to think about, that Jesus is pointing out that in heaven there is no marriage. And if marriage is such a big thing here on earth, is it perhaps just for earth? Have we elevated beyond what it is meant to be? when we have such an emphasis on the family and marriage, why in heaven then are we single? There is something, a beautiful way that Danielle Truik, who's an author and theologian, she recently came out with a book on singleness that's really beautiful and profound. And she paints it this way, that earthly marriage acts as an important foreshadow of eternity in the here and now. On the other hand, the unmarried form of life is not a foreshadow of eternity, but an actual, albeit partial, foretaste of it. Complementary windows. Marriage, working out that covenant love, gives us a picture of it, a foreshadow of the bigger love, intimacy that we are going to experience with our bridegroom Jesus. But singleness also gives us something about what is to come, a foretaste Reminding us, a prophetic signpost reminding us, first of all, that this is not all there is. Sometimes we camp out on life on earth as if this is where we're going to live forever. But we are a people headed somewhere. And there's going to be an intimacy and fulfillment as a single in what we experience with God and each other there. And so singleness points to that. It's a foretaste of that. And also as singles, we have an invitation among singles, among singles and marrieds, to enter into a siblinghood, practicing the new family of Jesus, to be brothers, true brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are invited into that. So 
Singleness itself is a foretaste, a little taste of what is yet to come. So right now, we are going to segue to listening more about singleness to our panelists. And as we do in the New Life tradition, it is not a little pitter-patter. But let us warmly welcome Kamaj, Valerie, and Joseph to the stage. Well, welcome. Um, as we start, I'd love for you to introduce yourselves, your name, a little bit about yourself, and also if you can share how you would describe your current season of singleness. Is it content? Do you see it as transitional? Are you discontent, etc.? Okay, well, good morning, New Life. Uh, I'm Valerie from Queens. I, I work with international students. Um, so how I would describe this season, uh, when people ask me, are you content or discontent, I usually say, yes. <laughs> uh, it's cyclical. It's yeah. a little bit of both. It depends on the day. Uh, I would say I lean toward contented, but it, it's always a season of figuring that out. Mm, thank you. Hello, my name is Joseph. Um, by way of introduction, I'll just kind of tell a story of how I actually came to New York. Uh, so I'm a recent transplant to New York about a year ago um, from Boston. I was coming out of a relationship and uh, a pastor from New York that I knew from a long time ago just texted me saying, hey, are you interested in moving down to New York? I'm, I'm like starting a church here. And then within the same week, I had a friend from San Francisco say, hey, I'm moving to New York. Are you looking for a roommate? Would you be willing to move down with me? <laughs> if that's me? not a sign. Yeah. <laughs> and so actually, I, the reasons why I moved to New York was, one, primarily for the church. I loved, uh, loved this pastor and knew that I was going to grow uh, in the community there. And I had a good group of friends here who are also all thinking about getting married or having kids in the next couple of years. And these are friends that I want to grow old with. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, hey, let's really try to invest in our relationship and our friendship. Um, and so that's, that's how I moved to New York. Um, and to more directly answer the question, so yes, yeah, single, but I guess I'm open to it. But I think so the, my primary goal is coming to New York was for friendship and for church and community. Yeah, and Joseph comes to us from Neighborhood Church of Greenwich Village in Manhattan, and I just wanted his voice to be part of this panel, so thank you for joining us here. Hi, New Life. So, Kamaj, um, I've been at New Life since 2016. Jamaican-born, New York-raised, a little stint in Minnesota, and then I came back because New York is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the right place to say that. Um, I would say I have been content with my singleness my, my whole life or as soon as you kind of realize you're single, so maybe like 12 or 13. <laughs> um, um, and for the most part have thought that I would kind of be single, you know, maybe kids, but never really thought marriage was on mm. the docks for me. I'm for the first time in my life open to possibility, but still very content mm. as a single. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, my first question is what have been core challenges in your Christian journey framing that our Christian journey is not just what we do in our spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible, but all of life. What have been core challenges in your Christian journey that you have experienced as a single? Again, I go back to accountability, hands down. Um, there's no one else looking over my shoulder. Um, I also come from a household where I'm currently the only person that is a believer. Um, and so for me, when it comes to governing my body, governing my thoughts, governing my heart, it really is on me and, you know, Jesus hopefully being there like, come on, <laughs> you can do this. But some days I, I don't, right? Some days I mess it up big time and, 
And so that, that I think is a big thing for me. Um, challenge, I would say, so I think when people think about single people or singleness, the two biggest challenges uh, that come to mind is probably loneliness and uh, sexual purity, maintaining sexual purity as a single Christian. Um, and for me, the loneliness has never really been much of an issue uh, for those who care about Myers-Briggs. I'm an INTJ and a pretty strong I. And so I'm more than very happy to like entertain myself and um, rarely get lonely. But I think um, having been at a lot of more liberal circles and in the, in the areas that I've lived, I would say maintaining sexual purity has probably been the more difficult uh, part of that. Um, and also, just as I've gotten older, there are like certain expectations, especially in the culture that we live, uh, that we're all kind of doing similar sorts of things. And so you definitely stick out a little bit more like a sore thumb. And so I think the, that part has been the biggest challenge in being a Christian single male in this world. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I would just echo those things. Of course, accountability and loneliness are part of the picture. And I would just add all of the comments that you get as a single. Uh, the well-meaning, but, you know, little uh, platitudes or niceties or the, you know, I know what it's like. I wasn't married till I was 25, you know, just like, <laughs> maybe you don't know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, so, the, you know, some of those things are kind of little little jabs and, and can be part of the struggle. Mm. Yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, something I'm hearing in a couple of your answers are really that need for community, like how important that plays as part of the challenges. Well, we talked about some of the things that are hard, and I'm sure there's much, um, but how has your singleness allowed you to live for the sake of the kingdom of God? Well, this is maybe one of my favorite parts of singleness, <laughs> is that it gives uh, opportunity, uh, capacity, time, to invest in things related to what God is, you know, doing in the world. And my passions are evangelism, outreach, you know, discipleship. And so the hours that I've spent with um, young uh, adults that are from around the world uh, to see fo Christ formed in them or to share Christ with them for the first time, uh, that to me is such a precious opportunity that I get to do. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, singleness allows me also... Um, you know, I've traveled to some difficult areas of the world, and I can take risks that I wouldn't take if I was bringing a family along or if I was parenting children. So it, it has allowed me the, the freedom and flexibility of kind of a, a risk uh, kind of life for God, for the kingdom, and I'm so privileged to get to live that. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, um, a good thing about singleness, I would say... Um, I'll give a quick example of, so the church that I go to, it's pretty young um, and it's pretty small, but it's uh, one of the also distinctive features of it is that it leans to be more male. And so our church has more men than there are women. And so that throughout- That is a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The address yeah. is. <laughs> you, you can come find me later. <laughs> You're gonna have a long line. Yeah. We've all actually been pleasantly surprised by it because it's actually all the guys that are far more involved in the church as well. Um, but wow. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> we are great guys, tuned great in. Guys. <laughs> um, and as I've gotten to like 
uh, get to know these guys, uh, I think one of the things that I've definitely noticed is that there's a lot of loneliness also among men. Um, and one of the things that we're trying to do over the summer is um, like start a men's group. And I think there's oftentimes a criticism of like men not knowing how to be emotionally vulnerable, having deep friendships and relationships, uh, and just like men needing that as well. And so I think the benefit of singleness is that I can be like fully focused, like be other focused and be able to meet the needs of other people and just be able to, yeah, just be there for them uh, whenever they need and without having to feel like I have some other obligation or something else that I have to run off to because I have a, I've already made a commitment to something else. And so I think those kinds of things is what allows, like, yeah, uh, singleness allows me to do in the season. Yeah, like kind of just pouring into, yeah. And Joseph, when you talk, if you can keep your mic close to your mouth, it'll help when the far range. I can hear you fine, but <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, what both of you said resonates a lot. I think time, my time is much more available. Um, the other thing is, not only is my time available, but that freedom to rely on God, I guess. Um, so traveling and getting in some situations where it was like, I'm going to get out of this. Must rely on God because there was <laughs> certainly no one else that I could turn to. Um, and, and I was barely, barely conversant in the language. Um, but aside from that, also just learning to come to the end of myself. And I don't have anyone else to turn to, so I do turn to God. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that has made my relationship with God a lot richer. My relationship with, you know, welcoming the Holy Spirit in a lot easier because I'm not thinking about myself in relation to others. It is myself directly and most immediately in relation to mm -hmm. the Father. Yeah. And something I'm hearing in your answers is because you have time, it does allow, and you are choosing to use it for God. I mean, we can all use time many different ways. Are there, are there any challenges, the opposite side of the time? You have time to lean in, but in singleness, are there any challenges with the fact that you have more time? You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this during the break. Um, when it comes to work, like if you've ever been single at work and there's a lot of people with kids on the team, somehow you end <laughs> up with a lot of the stuff that other folks get to go home and, you know, they'll check the next day. And it's not intentional. I don't think it's mean-spirited. It just is a proxy to you've got the time, right, to do this stuff. Um, and I have definitely put a lot of time into my career. I think the same thing. When I first got into the church, like I quickly became this church secretary and I just ended up doing a lot, but not really building a lot of the sort of core foundational disciplines because I was so busy doing for God that I never really learned how to be with God. And that's been so instrumental for me here at New Life is just learning how to be in a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else say that? You don't have to, but. Um, I think, yeah, just to quickly add to that, I think, yeah, the more time that we have as single people, and especially, I guess, as I said, if you're an introvert, then you can just end up kind of squandering that time away. And, just, um, and so I think just like being very intentional about with all the time that I've been given or that I have, like how do I really want to be investing that time? So I think that extra level of intentionality that's required um, is a challenge, but also uh, a good thing as well. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. Well, we have this quote that I had shared earlier from Danielle Treweek, where she talks about marriage being a foreshadow of that covenant love, and then singleness is a foretaste mm -hmm. 
right, for us, for what's to come. How do you respond to that as you hear that? Mm. When I think about that quote and other similar things I've read, there's a... uh, there's an invitation to me to live for any, with an eternal perspective, to live, uh, one person explained it, that eternity is like a line that's continuously going in both directions, and my life is like a dot on the line. Mm-hmm. So it gives me perspective of like how big I am <laughs> compared to eternity. And so if I've been given this little, this little moment in history and time to contribute something to worship God with my life, what will I do? do with it. Mm. So that, that perspective of um, pursuing intimacy with him to have a foretaste, even though it's partial now, knowing that ultimately there'll be no loss in my life because I'm single. Ultimately, I will have full uh, satisfaction, full um, delight in who he is, and I'll experience that in his fullness someday. So. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I actually really love that kind of quote uh, that Daniel Tariq had. Um, and the, I had never really thought about that concept that we'll all be single in eternity. But I think it's beautiful that Christianity does have a vision for that. Um, and if I think about it in the way of um, that it, it's a witness to the rest of the world, I think so, like if we think about marriage as kind of a witness for Christ's love for the church to the rest of the world. I think our single lives, this gives, helps me see single life as also another way to show what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, that especially in this culture when singleness is oftentimes very selfish of, oh, I get to leave and uh, go anywhere that I want. Um, and it just, I don't want to be tethered down to anything. I want to just focus on my career. There's a lot of focus on the self. But that the Christian vision of singleness uh, is one of, you can still have deep friendships, you invest in them, and you're, it's kind of in the service of others, I think is also a counter-narrative and a way in which we can show to the rest of the world uh, that there is fullness in the vision of Christianity, uh, even within our single life mm-hmm. as well. So it sounds like hearing that quote kind of expanded, like, oh, I have a bigger vision. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think for me, when I, when I heard this, it gave voice to just the comfort I've always felt in being single, which is I am alone without being lonely, um, you know, and, and I feel very comfortable within myself and, and knowing that God is here with me at all times. I've, and just the idea that when we get to that point where we, you know, cross over into the, the new heaven and the new earth, that we will be able to, yes, of course, have a wonderful, beautiful, rich, deep relationship with God that is just one-to-one. Like there's room for one-to-oneness in its purest form. And yet we're doing that still in community with each other, I think just resonates for me. Yeah, I just wonder what that will look like, right? Like if there's no marriage, but there's this intimacy, what will that experience be like? It's just amazing to think about. Um, well, this is something I've heard. I have my own thoughts on this. Um, but it, was, it has been heard to be said that marrieds experience a depth of love while singles get to experience a breath of love. Any thoughts as you hear that? I can go. Um, so I don't fully agree with that. I think um, it's not one or the other. I think it's, it's an 
in between. It's a spectrum. It's got layers to it. You know, it's just a rich tapestry. Um, and as a person who is single, who has, you know, experienced relationships in many dif different forms, yes, there's breadth, you know, um, even before I came to Christ, right? There was breadth in the types of relationships that I've had. But when I hear that about like the deep covenant relationship that you get to experience in marriage, I do think we get to experience that in different forms. Um, and for me in particular, it, what resonates is my relationship with my mother who is not saved, um, you know? And so we have, we've had difficulties in our relationship. Um, there have been times where I have been hard to love um, and she has persevered, right? She has picked me up a lot of times when I've fallen flat on my face, times when I've hidden because I've fallen flat on my face. So she has sought me out to pick me up um, and she has, you know, learned me each time that I've changed and I've become a different type of commage. Um, and, you know, I think about all the things that I have in my relationship with God that Christianity and this faith gives me just tools accessible to live this life in a different way. Therapy has done a lot of that too. Um, and my mother doesn't have those things accessible to her, right? Um, but she still tries and she still makes her way to know me deeply. And, you know, God has healed our relationship in a mighty way. Um, but I really realize like, she has also taken part in that, right? It's not like it's something that happened to her because I prayed about it. It's also, she has actively, deeply loved me. And so mm. I think that's covenant love. Mm. It's beautiful, yeah. That was so well put that I think I'm gonna pat. No, no. <laughs> her mother's story is your mother's story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All My right. mother's story might not be as great. No, <laughs> no, no, just kidding, I'm just kidding. Love my mom. Um, <laughs> In case mom is watching. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, I really echo that. I think, um, like, there's, I think there can be breath as well as depth uh, here as well. But I think obviously there's not, within, within singleness and in the relationships that I have with my friends and uh, people in my community at church, I don't necessarily have the kind of um, intimate or like romantic part of that relationship. Um, but I also wonder if that's kind of a, a challenge or the Christian challenge to like how core is that to our experience and to the true like human nature of who we are and how God created us. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a richness and a depth to um, some of the friendships that I have here in the city um, that I think really feeds my soul as well without it necessarily being within a romantic context. And so, um, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think I'm hearing it. a lot of intentionality in your friendships yeah. to do life together. Yeah, in our conversations leading up to the panel, we talked about this, how, you know, for me, my specific ministry calling, I love the breadth opportunity. I love that I get to um, share the love of Christ with many and do it widely. Uh, but singles need depth too, and we need to have intimate relationship in a healthy form, and it takes time and energy to pursue those. To you know, If I'm having this breadth of influence, but I don't have any depth, that's gonna empty my tank 
pretty quickly. So the, the um, intentionality of pursuing at least a close circle of deep friendships, uh, I, I might still you know, not have the level of depth of as, as a married couple, but we still need to try to balance those two out, I think, in our, in our life and our development. Yeah, like what I'm hearing from you, and which I also resonate with, is like breadth and depth are two things we all need. We need a community, and we need to be known. Yeah, truly. Um, well, as we wrap up this panel, you have this stage. Um, how can the church love singles well or better? You also have the mic. How, many, how much time do I have? Is as that- long as you want. This is your opportunity. Hijack the service. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Okay. Uh, So I just have three things that were on my heart to share today. One of them is, of course, invite us into families. Um, We we need that, and it's ideal that we are connected, that you are our family as the family of God. That's a not just a attend and leave kind of thing, but invite us in because uh, and and receive our invitation to to enter into deeper relationship. I think that's huge. I also would say to, as a female speaking to the men in the room, I'd say we need healthy relationships with brothers, uncles, father figures in our lives. We need good male friends. And, and we need the, the, the healthiness of that in our lives because I know for many of my single friends, then you, if you don't have that, you begin to chase it in ways that aren't helpful, right? And so we need the health, so don't treat us as objects, right? Invite us in as family, as sisters in Christ. Um, and, and the last thing I'll I promise, the last thing I'll say. Oh, no, go <laughs> ahead. Ten more. Ten more. <laughs> it's just the little comments, right? It, instead of the, you know, oh, you'll meet somebody someday. To celebrate where we are, what we offer, what we get to live out as a foretaste of the kingdom. You know, it, there's so much good that is part of the single life. So celebrate that with us as well. Uh, so good. Again, so well put. Um, <laughs> so now I'm at a loss for words. Um, no, but, uh, and, and, and this is my own personal experience. I, most of the churches that I've been and in the Christian circles that I've been, um, I've never really felt like uh, the singleness has really uh, been a problem. Um, I would say most of my married friends and as well as single friends, like everyone just has always uh, welcomed welcome me with open arms. Um, and no one ever like treats me or looks at me and thinks of me as, oh, that's Joseph the single guy. It's just, hey, that's Joseph, right? Like, and they know me as a person first. And then, you know, if, if they know someone that they want to introduce me to, you know, they'll ask me those things. But I don't mind that. Um, I don't mind that. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I, you know, it's never really been much of a problem, but I, I would just, I guess, encourage the church to continue to do that, to just s- op- be able to, like, welcome uh, people who are single with open arms, whether you're married or not, um, and to just, like, always just see the individual first and to connect with them authentically one-on-one. Um, and I'll just add one last, uh, Kamash did mention last time as well that this experience is probably true of me because I'm a guy, uh, as, where, whereas it may not be the experience for a lot of other women in the church. Indeed, indeed. Thank you for owning that. I'm glad that. you tagged that on because absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I'll say I, I have experienced as a, a single person in the church 
honestly, single has been my default mode, and I, I did not grow up in the church. Um, as a matter of fact, my mom, uh, you know, was very clear in her life that she wanted children. She did not want marriage. She grew up in a home where she saw her father beat her mother. She saw my grandmother, who was put in an you know, arranged marriage when she was 13 years old, you know, raise eight kids pretty much on her own. And so she was like, if you can raise your kids well on your own, why bring in the toxic male partner? And so I just, I grew up seeing marriage as kind of inviting danger in. I've learned, I've learned that obviously, but along the way, I've also learned that singleness looks very different. It could be a choice like it was for my mother. It could be a choice like it is for me. Um, it could be that someone truly deeply desires, you know, to be with another person and there is nothing wrong with that. That is truly, I believe, God's intention, you know, when he set forth the image of Adam and Eve. But there are also people who have been married and come out of it for different reasons. Maybe they are coming out of violence. Maybe they are coming out of, you know, a marriage where their partner has left due to death. Like, there are just so many different ways in which singleness exists. And so just acknowledge that, that singleness is not a monolith. It doesn't look the same for everyone. Just like marriage doesn't look the same for everyone. Or parenthood doesn't look the same for everyone. Um, I think for me, that's one of the most important things. Um, and then the other one is to just, you know, recognize that there is still a lot that singles have to give, absolutely, but also, like, allow them to be, you know. It doesn't, like, you don't always have to be at the plow when you're single. Um, you know, just also allow them to be in relationship with you. Yeah, see you as a person. Yeah, not what you can just do. All right, well, that, thank you so much. Let's give a hand to our panelists. So great to hear from them. This is truly a gift. I mean, how many times in the church have you gotten to hear from singles from the front? Like, it is just such a powerful, tremendous gift that we're getting to experience today. Um, so as we wrap up here, I just want to frame the things that we've been hearing in this discussion and the, the conversation right before that, that what I was sharing and that is that in marriage and in singleness, we are all called to live for the sake of the kingdom of God. There is something greater in marriage than just the nuclear family and living for that marriage. There's something far greater in singleness than just living for self-fulfillment. And so I want to leave us with a few, three ways to rethink singleness that I think has something for all of us and a last one way to reimagine singleness. And the first thing I want to share is to rethink intimacy. We live in a world where romance and sex and finding this, your own family is so emphasized and is so heightened as if that's the epitome of fulfillment, but that only makes singleness unusual, abnormal. And in the Christian theology, there is a healthy room for both. And so as a single person, you have this room and invitation to live into inclusivity, an ever-growing community, both with Marys and for Marys to live that with singles, of expanding the brother and sisterhood, not just in theory and in word, but literally at your dining table, literally in your conversations or at the coffee shops, expanding it to be an inclusive community. So rethinking intimacy, and there's this great quote from Stanley Harawas, who's a theologian that I love. And he says, we need to critique a Christian lens 
which has adopted cultural norms in a secular theology with an elevated view of romance and sex that has elevated the family, marriage, and sex beyond their purposes within the community of God's people. We are heading for a place where we're all single. Marriage is wonderful. It is a gift for here and now. But have we, perhaps? It's something to check for our own walk with God. Is it elevated to a place beyond what is meant to be? So a question in rethinking intimacy is, for all of us, how are you inviting others into community? Whether you're single, you know, doing life with others, it takes so much more intentionality because it's easy kind of just do life on your own. But also as marrieds, as marrieds, how are you doing life in your family with singles? The second one is to rethink freedom. That in living for Christ, we have surrendered our freedom to Jesus and that we have chosen to live for him and for his kingdom so that we are free to be of service to others. So it's not about living for ourselves and in, and this is both for marriage and for singles, not living insular lives, but looking outward, facing outwards. So a question here is, is your life focused on self-fulfillment, realizing the best life for you or fulfilling and realizing the kingdom of God? as we pray, Lord, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. That is not something that God just zaps and does. He does it through the church. And that is our invitation from him to rethink our freedom to realize on earth as it is in heaven. The third rethink I wanna share is to rethink parenting. And Harold also has this great quote that says, we must remember that the sacrifice made by the single is not that of giving up sex, but the much more significant sacrifice of giving up heirs. Our world has like just hyper made this whole, made having sex such a big thing as if it's the thing to experience, to experience a fulfilled, flourishing life. But the bigger sacrifice that singles are giving up is heirs, biological heirs, but, the church is such a unique family. We don't enter into the church and the family of God biologically, do we? This is the one family that you enter in spiritually born. And so as singles, we need to rethink parenting, but also all for all of us as followers of Jesus, we are called to have spiritual heirs. We are not living for ourselves Isaiah 54.1 says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Who are you parenting? That's a question for all of us. Do you have any spiritual heirs? Because that is what we are called to, to practice on earth this new family of God that is ever-growing and Jesus has this huge table and he longs for every single person to be there. And that is gonna take each of us inviting people to come. We all need to be bringing our spiritual heirs. And the last is to reimagine singleness in God's perspective. I wanna name here that some of you in this room watching online are single and longing for marriage longing to find a partner for life. 
And that is a good desire. Marriage is a good gift for this life on earth that God has given us. But the reality is, in the church especially, that there are way more women than there are men. It is a reality. I have a long list of growing really good Christian, awesome women friends who do desire to be married. And I am constantly looking as I meet a single Christian guy, Joseph, <laughs> um, and others. I'm like, Lord, they desire it. If they want it, I am trying to help make that happen. But that is not all there is. And I just want to, an to invite you to hold that tension of the grief is real, the pain is real, of not being able to fulfill a longing, a deep longing. That's a good longing. And to hold it with the tension that God has a bigger picture for singleness than marriage. That there is something more. We're not just called to live in this season until we get out of it. That there's something inherently beautiful and good and a place in the kingdom that singleness offers. And so I want us all, I just invite all of us to reimagine singleness. That there's so much more that singles offer us an important window. Marriage and singleness are complementary windows for the something greater that God offers us, which is an intimacy with him. And the singles around you that you see this week, today, are people who are prophetic signposts, reminding us, don't camp out here. This is not all there is. We are headed for a place where one day we're all brothers and sisters who are single. We're going to be utterly satisfied with God and with each other together. And they are also a reminder that we are called to be a new family of Jesus, not just our biological family, but to practice a brotherhood, a real brotherhood and sisterhood of doing life together on earth until heaven. And so may we reimagine and see the singles around us as a gift and invite them into our lives. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for giving us a richer vision to live for. God, um, the world often flattens life to be about romance and marriage, but you have given us so much more. And God, I thank you for the singles in our church, whether they're in it for a moment or single again, longing for marriage or have chosen singleness. Lord, would you bless them? And would you remind us as a church when we see singles, that they are reminders for us, prophetic reminders, that you are calling us to a life that is fully after you. And that one day we are going to be with you as singles. And then also to remember that while we are on earth, we are called to be brothers and sisters with them. May we be a church that lives out this kingdom reality in our lives, in our actions in the words we say. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And let's stand. Yes, please thank our panel, Pastor Helen. What a gift to hear honesty, truth, um, perspective about the single life from people that are actually single and not being screened through people that are married telling this story. What a gift that is. I've heard that also, Valerie, people that are married telling your story. It's so interesting. 
Um, so this, this is a gift that we've received. And before we have communion, I think it's also, it's an opportunity for us to confess and to repent. How many times have you had that comment? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you'll find somebody. How many family members that do you have that are single and you're, well, when are you going to, why don't you just get out there? You just need to put yourself out there. I'm sure there's somebody for you. How many of you parents? I know, here we go, I know. But parents, you know, you're 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds, and you're like, when are you going to find somebody? What's going on? As though this is our place. And so let's just confess that sometimes when it comes to singleness, we have put ourselves in the place of God and we have decided it is our business to determine whether our friends, co-workers, loved ones should be married or not. Only God knows. And so take a moment, think about, just think about who is it? Is it your neighbor, your co-worker, your sister, brother, son, daughter, parent, or yourself? that you have judged in their singleness. Just take a, a moment to think about that and offer it up to the Lord. share our prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, and deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night that our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that has been broken for you singles, married, for all of you. Let's take together. And likewise, he took the cup. And he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood that was shed, that was poured out for you, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so whenever you eat the bread and you drink of the cup, it shows our faithfulness to knowing our Lord died for us and that he will truly return again for us. So let's drink together.
So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to my right. And if this is this is this sermon is touching something in your life, come up and receive prayer. Maybe you realize that your vision of what singleness looks like, maybe you have realized that you've been seeing it through a lens that's narrow, through a lens of your own creating, and you haven't been seeing the people that have been gifted to you in your life in their fullness, in their wholeness, in their personhood, and you want to pray and have somebody pray for you. So come up to our prayer team. Or maybe you are a person who is single, and you realize you yourself have not embraced your fullness. You haven't embraced your humanity. And you want to be able to receive this understanding of the gift of who you are to the world around you. Come and let someone up here in our prayer team pray for you. As we've had over the couple of last few weeks during this series, on our homepage, there is a a journaling guide um, specifically for each week that we have been in the sexuality series. And you can go there and you can find further materials, their resources, different things that you can have and use during um, during this time to help resource you. Our goal is to resource so that we can all be growing together um, as the Lord would see fit. And then the other thing, if you have not been baptized, if you are here within the sound of my voice, if you are watching online and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we really want to encourage you to take the opportunity to scan the QR code on your screen and and look forward to how you can show this this gift that God has given you to your family, to your friends through baptism. And so we want to encourage you, do not fear. You get to enter into a conversation um, with Pastor Sharon about baptism. Understand what that looks like and means for your life and how that you can go about that. And if you do not know Jesus, the same thing. You can scan that QR code. Don't be afraid. No one's going to railroad you or force you into doing anything you're not comfortable with. But this is your opportunity. For you, this may be the day where you need to reach out. Someone will reach back to you in the next 24, 48 hours. And again, what is it, this Jesus life? What does this relationship look like? What does it mean for me? Do I even want it? How do I know? You can enter into a dialogue and you can feel safe and free. There is no uh, obligation on any part. So I'm going to ask you to open your hands and I'm going to pronounce a blessing over us. Um, I just ask that you would think through this week of just even listening back on this sermon. There's so much richness in what this panel has shared with us. And I hope that you will um, be able to ingest what it is that God has for you and the learning points as you go forward. So brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, single, married, wherever you find yourself today. Know that his face shines upon you. Know that his joy is ever towards you. Know that his faithfulness shall never die, shall never return void. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And God bless you all. Have a great week.